0: Good morning. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 9th of May, 2023. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. Thank you to Paul Perot and everyone else who made it possible for me to have a three-day anniversary weekend. That third day, you know, that little buffer is uh, is a lot. So thank you. Thank you. And we return so the show to that. you
2: unscathed.
0: <laughs> yes, we're back. All right. So you're growing your faith verse of the day today comes from Psalm 27 verse 1 The Lord is my light and my salvation so why should i be afraid the lord is my fortress protecting me from danger so why should i tremble there was a uh, a storm last night where i live thunder lightning wind rain the whole nine yards we have an old dog her name is sassy she's 13 now so i did the math if there have been an average of 76 storms in each year of her life then She has literally, literally, I I mean, literally, I can say she has weathered a thousand storms. And yet she trembles. She cries. She whines. She paws until you hold her. So at 2 a.m. this morning, there she is. And at 2 a.m. this morning, there I am. She's safe. Why should she be afraid? And yet she is. She's inside the fortress of our home. I am protecting her from danger. So, why should she tremble? And yet, she does. The psalmist is reflecting here something that we have all felt. We tremble, even though we know we're ultimately safe and secure. I don't think our fear is irrational. I think our fear is an acknowledgement that there are forces to which we are subject that we do not control. Trembling is evidence that we are human. But what the psalmist is articulating is the good news that even as we tremble, we know there is a God who is good, who holds us steadfast and secure, a Savior and a Lord who is our light and our salvation. Ultimately, we have nothing to fear. He is our fortress, protecting us from danger. I think the question is, I mean, you know, Sassy is a 13-year-old dog. She has the sense to, to run to the one whom she knows is going to even get up at 2 a.m. To, to hold her and comfort her. The question is, do we run to God? Do we have the sense to seek him, to turn to him, to beg with trembling cries to be held? At 2 a.m. or 2 p.m., in the waiting room at the doctor's office, at the defendant's table in the courtroom, on the airplane over the ocean, When the lightning strikes close to home, after curfew when your child isn't answering their phone, friends, we've weathered a thousand storms. God has proven himself faithful. We are safe in his everlasting arms. Why should we be afraid? And yet we are. Why should we tremble? And yet we do. And it's okay. God is great and God is good. God is love. God sees you. Turn to him today. Run to him today. Tremble in his arms until you tremble no more. With the psalmist, I say today, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So even as I tremble, Let me find my hope and my comfort and my rest in him. Amen? Amen. Next up, we're going to talk with Nick Pitts. I'm leading off with, so far, what has his experience been as a new dad? And then, yes, we're also going to talk about um, headline news of the day and bringing the mind of Christ to bear. But, you know, if you got a new baby in the house, like, that's the most alarming news of the day. So that's where we're going to begin. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Nick Pitts is back. You can uh, find him at thebriefing.net. You can find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. Hey, good morning, Daddy. Hey, good morning, Carmen. How hey, are you? Hey, it's so fun. You're going to have a Father's Day coming up super duper soon. But I cannot
2: forget about Mother's Day. I am keenly aware <laughs> that you cannot forget, especially over this past month and a half. This oh. holiday, The appreciation for this holiday has deepened all the more
0: we should totally we should totally get people on the text line right now to give you some um some advice. So Nick uh is a new dad which means oh, yes. um which means his wife is a brand new mom. She's going to have her first mother's day this coming Sunday. If you've got particular advice for Nick uh you know going into this weekend, you can text me 877-933-2484. Um, what a great idea, Nick. Let's get some uh, let's get some listener input here for you. Um, how's it going so far? Like, read us in for people who who don't know, you know you guys have had a baby.
2: Oh, yeah. so for the past month, we have welcomed in a uh, little Dorothy Alice. And so uh, Hannah Arndt has this line. I was telling Paul earlier that every generation civilization is invaded by barbarians. We call <laughs> them children. And so, um, and it is my job to raise this child up in the fear and trembling with the Lord. And it's just so honored by it. But I, I will say this, there's two things that I continue just to be reminded of and learn from during the entirety of this process. Uh, one is that there is just, uh, I I've always known my wife is a superhero. She's just so strong. She is just she's just a very remarkable woman with everything that she's gone through and the achievements that she's earned. Um, but this is, I I've, I've gained a greater appreciation and a deeper love for her through this entire process. I, I really don't know how they do it. I'm, I'm convinced that if men had to populate the world, that this would be a lot, this would be a sparsely populated world. She's just remarkable in what she's done. Second piece is I realized there is quite literally very little than I can actually do relative to the health and well-being of this child. I knew that during the pregnancy and that only increases now post-pregnancy now that little Dorothy is. And in turn, that 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 sense of helplessness has helped me to press in and just an utter dependence on God to continue to work and little mm. Dorothy's life. Whether it's for spiritual health, uh, whether it's for physical health, there's just a, a great utter sense of helplessness but also a deep reliance upon God to continue to sustain and to bless and then hopefully one day to awaken her to the great the greatest love that there ever is. And hopefully all I can do is point to that in my actions and my words and in the way that I give my attention. And so it's just a, it's just an absolute hoop to do this thing and so um, <laughs> but we'll see. we'll, we'll keep on going.
0: Um, okay. So, um, you know, you know, you and I are not alone here. We're having this conversation with uh, many other people. And so, um, here, here is some input. First of all, flowers. What is, uh, what is her favorite flower? Do not give her flowers that she doesn't like. So there you go. This seems important. Um, pamper, pamper, pamper. Pampers are not something for the baby. Pamper is something you do this weekend for your wife. (laughs) Foot massages, a pedicure, somebody else says, you know, turn your turn, turn part of your house into a spa and invite your wife uh, to join you there. So there you go. Um, You know, massage, all these things, all these things. Uh, Let's see. As good um, as being a father is, remember, in 16 years, you're going to have to teach little Dorothy to drive. Oh, my goodness. Probably, probably. in. let me just say, probably in the Pitts household, Dorothy's going to know how to drive by the time she's like 13. Like I feel like I like, I feel like Dorothy is gonna, yeah, excel in everything. So um it's yeah. so fun, right? I know, I know. It's so um, fun. All oh right. Um all right, we have we have some like very, very serious headlines to turn to. So you know what I'm gonna do? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go ahead and take our very, very brief um break in the middle of our conversation. When we come back, uh, Nick and I are going to turn our attention to probably you know one of the one of the two or three biggest headline news stories in the country, um, and and that is two events that took place in the state of Texas over just the last several days. One um, was a shooting outside of a mall in Allen, Texas, taking the lives of um, of children, including uh, included among um, the victims there, and then an incident um, that we don't know whether or not it was intentional or or Really, an accident in Brownsville, Texas, which has claimed the life uh, lives of eight people and another ten um, severely injured when an SUV uh, ran a red light, lost control, uh, slid on its side into a bus stop populated by uh, by migrants. And so, we're going to talk about those two stories here in just a moment, um, because you and I, as Christians, need to be prepared to enter into the conversations that are happening in the culture today. And um, we're going to talk about how to do that in in terms of these two stories. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. We're having a conversation with Nick Pitts this morning. Uh, he is particularly good at um, bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. Um, and so I want to turn with you, Nick, to um, the shooting in Allen, Texas, um, and bring the mind of Christ to bear on this. We we think we know more about the gunman, um, although the social media posts are conflicting in some ways, um, but read people in who don't know what happened and then, you know, bring the mind of Christ to bear here.
2: Yeah. So just tragedy struck Allen text. I mean, this Allen is probably about, I'd say anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes North of Dallas. It's a part of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Uh, I would say hundreds of thousands of individuals uh, commute into Dallas every day from Allen and it's just a suburb community outside of uh, Dallas, just North. And lo and behold, an outlet mall that I've visited frequently, uh, um, was individuals were shopping on Saturday. Uh, right. And lo and behold, an individual that uh, it, with all likelihood appears to be very troubled, um, uh, potential mental health issues, has decided to uh, open fire in an outlet mall, which is an outdoor outlet mall. And eight people lost their lives. Two families lost three children. And mm. and it's just absolutely tragic. Thankfully, heroically, a police officer was on site for an unrelated call and was able to neutralize and kill the shooter before he could enact any more horror and tragedy. Um, and, you know, it seems like this is one of those, yet again, this has happened to us. And and then there's, there's two sides of the same coin that often come out when we see this. Um, that either being, we need to do something. So it's this idea, uh, to a certain degree, of just helplessness, just something needs to be done. We don't have to test anything, just something needs to be done. And when you look at something that needs to be done, there's just opportunities to do, but just the research doesn't indicate that 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 will really bring about any metric change and could have some significant downturns as well. So we look at, do we get rid of guns? Well, besides the Second Amendment, there's this idea that there's over 430 million guns here in the U.S., and we don't have a database that locates them. So getting rid of guns is, it, is almost outside. Uh, it's really question the feasibility of that. We're saying we need stricter gun laws to be put into place. Well, you look at uh, three of the top ten um Uh, states right now that have the strictest gun laws including California that has the most gun laws on the books and there is there was no measurable uh, they're still statistically higher than the national average relative to individuals that use guns to enact violence so there's one side that can be now you just do something do anything you're not testing anything it's it's to a certain degree almost a type of laziness is according to Uval Levin but on the flip side there's there's we can seed into this cynical cynicism of, mm. well, we're not going to be able to stop them if we push any, uh, put any laws into place. Evil people are going to do evil things. And that's the other side of the same very same coin, not being naive. It's, it's still not testing anything, but it's not doing anything either, just because you throw your hands up and say, there's nothing that we can do. Mm. And, and I would argue that as people marked by hope, people that are following after the truth, we need to uh, resist being cynical and resist being naive and be like Mordecai. But Mordecai was an individual that he could throw his hands up in the air. The edict had already been issued. The destruction was looming on the horizon. He should have just he should have just given up. But he also he didn't he refused to be cynical. But he also refused to be naive as well and just do anything. But rather, what Mordecai did was he acted, he acted courageously and he thought strategically about how he might be able to not only survive, but to lead his people and lead his fellow uh, Israelites to be able to survive the edict that was put into place by the king. And as a result, what we know to be true is that Mordecai not only survived, but also thrived during that time and was able to lead the people free and lead the people to safety. And and during this time, it's easy for us just to either be cynical or naive, but we have to continue to think through, okay, how can we be marked by hope, act bravely, but also think strategically so that this doesn't continue to be normalized in our society?
0: Think strategically, act courageously, be filled with hope, um, come alongside those who are grieving. I, the refuse to be naive, which is, you know, like, oh, let's just do something. Let's just do anything um, versus the refusing to be cynical. There's nothing we can do. Throw up your hands and do nothing. Um, that's a really good way to frame and think about, like to find myself, okay, let me think about this in this moment. Um, what can I do? What can be done? What can I do? Um and then it's not just, Nick, what can be done. It's what should be done. That's the wisdom component mm-hmm. of the whole thing. And I think you, um, you're you helping us to sort of pause and take a deep breath and um, consider a biblical character. Mordecai, in this case, if you're not familiar with that story, you know, we're going to encourage you to read uh, the book of Esther. It's really short. It's a great, um, it's a narrative. So it's it's a story, and stories are sticky um, and in that there 's this character named Mordecai, and that 's who Nick is highlighting in this conversation today. Um, he was persistent he was um, he was hopeful, he was not naive, he was not cynical um, and he he thought strategically and then he acted courageously and he provoked others to do the same he i mean he led in that uh, and you know ultimately it resulted in a hope filled future, not just for him and the ones he loved but for his people and the people of his time. And that's what we need today um, in the face of the challenges that we are uh, engaged in here as people in the United States of America. Um, Another incident took place in Texas, this in Brownsville. This sort of brings uh, to the fore the conversation about um, the, the looming expiration of Title 42 and the who knows how many, but hundreds of thousands of people who intend to surge across the U.S. southern border in the coming days at the expiration of that, that, seeming to not understand that the border is closed. Um, A rule related to entry is changing, but the border of the United States of America is closed. It just happens to be tremendously porous. Um, And so what happened in Brownsville and how could we be praying today as that investigation unfolds?
2: Yeah. Brownsville, again, another place. There's a lot of churches that I've been a part of uh, here in Texas that have sent mission trips down to Brownsville. It's right there on the border. There's just a great need because, as you said, there's just there's just a remarkable amount and number of in the immigration debate for those that aren't on the border, just think about I, I would just encourage you just to just to look out on the web, uh, look out on the web and you will find multiple ministries that are that are being the hands and feet of Jesus to these people that are crossing that literally have nothing that are running in fear um, and while there's while they're enforcing the law they're also being the hands and feet of Jesus and so with some but many of these immigrants and homeless individuals they're they they have they come to the US with nothing and so uh, over the weekend, uh, there was a line of individuals that were waiting, I believe for a bus stop outside of a local Catholic charities, uh, venue and an individual, we don't know why we, don't, again, we don't know. Um, but an individual just flat in his car jumped the curb and just began to run over a group, this group of individuals, eight people died ten, at least 10 people were injured. Um, again, we don't we we don't know if there was a political motive. We don't know about toxicology yet. There's a lot that remains unknown. But uh, but the idea that just an absolute loss, the loss of life, and just the horror of this, the evil that comes about because of this, dude, it appears to. I mean, just watching video, it just it just is so it's just absolutely sickening, and it's just uh, again an, another reminder to to just be to be mindful that these aren't just policies that are being put into place, but there's also people behind these policies. And while we might not be able to allow them entrance into the country, we can show them the graciousness of our heavenly father, whether they're in the country or not. And to be that hands and feet of Jesus, regardless of nationality.
0: If you're listening right now, um, and you know that you would like to be of support to a ministry, um, on the southern border meeting the needs meeting the direct primary needs of people um, on both sides of the border because ministries are serving um, across the rio grande uh, and so if you want a link to a list of those ministries that have been vetted by the evangelical immigration table just text me eight seven seven i'll send you the link back um, with the list of um, vetted ministries that you could be supporting on the front line, if the crisis on the southern border is something that uh, God is calling you to directly engage in by uh, supporting ministries that are that are that are seeking to do something that is just an absolutely mammoth undertaking, um, and that is serve the least of these, uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, regardless of where they've come from or the circumstances of their lives, um, they're people and they're precious, um, and their needs need to be met one way or another. Nick, as always, um, thank you so much for joining us. Back to Daddy Duty. Uh, Let's see, the only additional um, encouragement to you um, is uh, to get a Bible, um, maybe a one-year Bible with wide margins, and every day write something to Dorothy in the margin, and then um, you'll be done with that, like you'll be done with that on her first birthday, but then get it back out the year that she comes to know the Lord and give it to her as a rebirthday gift. Oh, I, I love that. I know. And I'm you're, and you're done with it. Here's the thing. You're done with that in a year. So if there's a baby number two in a couple of years, you're not trying to continue to do one for Dorothy. There you go. That's my that's my counsel right there. You can't do more that's than so one good. at a time. It's just chaos. All right. Hey, man, we got to <laughs> let you go. We got to go upwards with Max Lucado. You're listening to Mornings with Garmin. All right. In a rare move, the U.S. Supreme Court intervened on Friday to stop the execution of a man in Oklahoma. It was the fourth time that Richard Glossop, um, who, by the way, never killed anybody, um, but was accused um, by a killer of having paid him for a hit. So uh, he has been on death row. And four different times he has come within hours of execution, and that happened again on Friday. The Supreme Court has intervened in that case, and I'm I'm going to expect that we're going to return to that topic. But I wanted you to be aware of that headline news and be um being be praying for that situation and others who, um, you know, find themselves uh, on death row for reasons that are not credible. Um, other nations are carrying out capital punishment in ways that are, uh significant to us as Christians, particularly those who are of evangelical faith and, you know, believe that it's God's will that people would come to a saving knowledge uh, of Jesus Christ and that they would turn to him. In in, uh, Libya, six Christians uh, now face the death penalty because of their conversion to Christianity, which is against the law there. So these six um, Libyan Christians have been charged under Article 207 of the Penal Code in Libya which punishes any attempt to circulate views that aim to alter fundamental constitutional principles or the fundamental structure of social order or to overthrow the state. Um, And so if you possess books, leaflets, drawings, slogans, or any other items that promote conversion to Christianity, you find yourself on the wrong side of uh, Libya's anti-conversion law. And so... um, one of uh, the the people who we know is facing execution is is our brother in Christ, Sefao Maudi. He's an engineer. Um, he's a dad. Um, and there has been a video released where he is confessing that he converted to Christianity in 2017 and that, yes, he had shared his faith with others, hoping that they would convert as well. Um, he says he was born in 1977, I was arrested by the internal security unit for converting to Christianity. I joined a group of Libyans and foreigners inside Libya calling and circulating um, for Christianity. In 2016, my friend introduced me to other friends, among them a Christian from the United States, and we talked and discussed, and then I converted the next year, and he baptized me. Friends, this brother in Christ is is not only um, imprisoned, but has been tortured, um, forced not only to confess Christ, but under torture. Some have said, um, you know, he has recanted the faith, but you and I know um, that this is our brother. And we need to be praying for him and for others like him and for people around the world who are facing very real persecution for the faith that we so freely express here in the United States of America. Joining us next, Luke Moon. He is in Israel right now, and we're going to talk about some international headlines as we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Luke Moon is joining us now. You can find him at the Philos Project and at Providence Magazine, phelosproject.org. Good morning, Luke.
1: Good morning. Well, it's uh, good morning to I you. I don't know. It's good what time is for it? me. Mm-hmm. It's like 2.30 mm-hmm. or something, 2.30. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Um, so for people who have not been to the Middle East and particularly to Israel, what did you have for breakfast?
1: This morning I had like a lot of vegetables. I had some uh, hummus. I had some, I said, uh, It was just uh, some cheeses. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole spread. It's pretty. I know, amazing. I Multiple know, but hotels it's, have these like long spreads. They're like twenty feet long. Amazing.
0: Yeah, and it's like a, it's like a uh, a charcuterie board, but it features, it does feature a lot of um, of lot of vegetables and hummus, and uh, and then um, for lunch you will um, you will likely have like what. <laughs> Have you already had lunch? I,
1: I I did I did I well it was a it was a fast food lunch so I grabbed a a, a bagel ironically enough, and some some cream cheese and also vegetables on it so it's you know mm-hmm. it's uh yeah mm-hmm. I, you know we were, I'm we were, uh, I was rushing.
0: There's uh there is no hummus in the world as good as the hummus that you are eating uh in these days it's just it's the best um okay. It is. Um, we have a lot to cover, so thank you so much for being here, even in the midst of your um, very busy schedule as well. Th- this um, this May the ninth is Russian Victory Day. They're going to have a celebration. Putin has uh, given a very um, vitriolic speech. Do you want to read us in on this? Yeah, I
1: mean it's it's a. Uh, I mean I suspect it will come across as I don't know if you remember uh, the uh, the famous George Bush. Uh, victory, you know, for, for the uh, Iraq mm-hmm. war had the back victory. It was on the, you know, aircraft carrier. And it's like, Hey, we won. And then 20 years later, right. Like I, I fear it's in that direction. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's very obviously uh, you know, uh, they, they, the, the rhetoric coming out of uh, the Kremlin is, you know, they like, very aggressive, obviously reclaiming, you know, we're going to take this. We've not lost. We're, you know, on the edge of just about to win that kind of stuff. And I, it's it's not reality, unfortunately. And and I think the whole world knows it. The problem is it's, it's unclear whether or not uh, the people of Russia will know it because I mean, it's, there's, there's not a lot of opposition media taking place.
0: Yeah, I think for people who haven't traveled internationally and particularly for people who haven't traveled to places where the state actually does control the media, it is really hard for us to imagine that the Russian people do not have access to the same information that all of us have access to. Like it, it is different. Um, it is very limited. It is controlled by the state. And so um, let's be praying today for truth to pierce the veil of darkness, um, and for people to have more information than their state is providing them through state-run media there in Russia. I'd like um, to pivot with you to Turkey. We have not, you and I have not, uh, we haven't highlighted things going on in Turkey for a while, other than for, you know, cross-border shenanigans into Syria. So um, (laughs) talk with us about, we'll remind everyone, um, like, you know, who is Erdogan? Um, and then read us in on how and why his days might be numbered.
1: So, so Erdogan is the I mean, current president of Turkey. He's been in power for almost 20 years now. He came in with a rather like an, an Islamist uh, party, but one that was thought by many to be it's not going to be super hardcore Islamist. It's only going to be mildly Islamist. And over the last, you know, 20 years, it, there's been a lot of um, uh, erosion of, you know, there was a there was a long tradition of kind of secular Islam, or you know, the, there was a value of secularism within uh, w- within Turkey, and a lot of that got eroded by Erdogan. And but you know, it, like all things, you know, that comes to an end, and it seems that. Uh, there's elections coming up. Uh, they, they view it's, a, you know, it's, it's like a runoff elections where somebody has to get over 50%. If nobody gets over 50%, the top two go on forward. And so it looks like uh, the opposition currently is leading uh, to the point – he's got over 50%, 50.7% specifically. And so he actually might be able to pull off a win. Um, Erdogan's not pulling very well it's 45%, but, you know, I think one of the things that we always got to keep in mind is, uh, that there, you know, around the world, what we're seeing is these elections that are taking place with very slim margins of victory. No one's really winning with a, like, a, you know, there's, there's not, there's not like Reagan winning a landslide victory with 49 States. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the, you know, i mean look at brazil 49 to 51 uh,
0: yeah yeah they're they're super close
1: and 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 in america we had the same thing and so i just did like you know we gotta keep that in mind that there's this kind of it seems like there's a there's a the world is kind of splitting into two camps if you will and uh neither side is really has like the mandate of the you know for the nation but they everybody like even if they win they're still going to pretend as if they do and that's a real problem
0: um luke i'm i'm reading headlines out of iran that um the the regime there um has hanged two men for their social media posts on the telegram messaging app um they were accused of blasphemy uh, against the Prophet Muhammad and um, some kind of crime against the Quran. Uh, their execution comes, um, you know, as I, I, I think, I, I think it's fair to say there's been a spike in executions in Iran. Some yeah. uh, 582 people executed last year, already 200 in this calendar year. Um, when people in the United States talk about capital punishment, like we know the names of individuals. It's an extremely long process. Um, there are... Uh, an uh, uh, I mean, lots and lots and lots of appeals. There's a it's a it is a very long process. Um, It is not uh, so long a process in places like Iran. Um, Do you do you think they're trying to use uh, like execution as uh, as maybe a way of influencing people who are engaged in demonstrations there?
1: Oh, 100 percent. I mean, that's that is the I mean, like, you know, there's the executions, the public executions. That are very much intended to that because there's a lot of people who are just disappearing in Iran, right? Who are not getting publicly hanged. the The public, the public hanging is like a, like should be seen as like the advertisement for the regime, saying like, "Don't mess with us. We will kill you. We'll destroy you." Like, and and you know, for every you know two people who are who are executed publicly. It, it, it's probably likely that there is is two hundred who will who just get disappeared by the regime, mm. and mm. and that is that that is that happens all all over the world in in kind of totalitarian or authoritarian uh, locations where, you know, we we all we all want to be like you know the the Martin Luther letter from a Birmingham jail or uh, Václav Havel in you know in. Um, what country was he in (laughs) slipping my mind right now, but like these people who were like leaders and they get thrown in jail and they like are kind of like still figureheads, but in for every one of those, there's a lot of people that just kind of disappear. And Mm -hmm. I, and so we should see these executions these public executions as uh, you know, advertisements for the regime to instill fear in people. And, you know, is it really, you really want to post that post you really um and though you know it's and blasphemy is such an easy charge right because it's mm-hmm. uh it it's it gets used all the time i mean it gets used in um uh i saw a report yesterday out of out of uh, pakistan a man they just manna got accused of blasphemy and he is you know, like they're dragging him through the streets. It's mm. you know, it's like it, one could say it's almost like being accused of being a witch, right back in the, mm. in, the in the day. Of, well,
0: yes, or you know, or uh, or somebody uh, charged with sedition in the days of the Roman Empire. I mean, we talk about exactly, public executions exactly. to make a point to to control people. Certainly, that's the way Romans used crucifixion in the days of Jesus. Yep. So, I do think that for Christians they're— yeah, there's a way here for us to be thinking about what's happening, and then for a way for us to be sort of processing that through uh, a biblical uh, a biblical lens because we can't imagine like it's just really hard to imagine that it's this is taking place, but it is around the world. Yeah. We're gonna um, yeah. we're gonna talk. We're gonna continue our conversation with Luke Moon here in just a moment. Um, we're going to turn our attention to just some horrific things that are happening in India. And so you're going to say to yourself, I don't know if I can handle any more horrific news today. <laughs> so we, we lift these up. We lift these up so that we can be um, informed it's, it, it, and and so that we can be praying, that we can be lifting up hands to a holy God who holds the whole world in his hands and is just as concerned about people in Libya and Iran and India uh, and Turkey and Pakistan, as he is concerned with Luke in Israel and me in the United States of America and you, wherever you're listening today to Mornings with Carmen, we'll be right back. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the Book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand, and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord and It changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Continuing our conversation with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. Um, Luke, um, read us in on this story in India.
1: Yeah, in, uh you know, it, there's a whole section of India that is kind of in the in the far Northeast of the country. It's very, it's mountainous. It's fairly rugged. It's, it's actually very tribal uh, and actually is one of the places where the church actually uh, there there was like the, the ancient church of of India is kind of the St. Tom, like the church of Thomas, the evangelist. And that's in the, like the South coast of India, but up in the far Northeast is a tribal area that has a lot of people groups that have been, uh, you know, been, a, being evangelized for a long time. And, uh, 25 people were killed in mob attacks, uh, in, in that far Northeast area. Uh, a lot of them, uh, Christians and it just, uh, you know, again, one of those areas where you have a combination of, Faith, but you also have tribal conflict. You know, it's some of the things we see, like in Nigeria as well, with the Fulani, with the tribe that's Muslim, but they attack people who are not Fulani. And it's it, it, so there's, there's that kind of overlap there, but it, it is important for us to obviously pray for the people there. It's one of those places, uh, Carmen, that I remember from my missionary days. In which, uh, you know, some they they had a, somebody had a dream in one of those tribes of uh, missionary coming uh, with a black book, and a missionary showed up uh, with a black book, and mm. uh, they they accepted the gospel as the whole tribe, um, and so it's it's got it's like and that was in the like late 1800s, so it's has got a long history of um, of outreach from missionaries and evangelism and but it's also a very tribal. And, and very kind of remote and rugged. Uh, there's it's it is one of those places that, that sees a lot of uh, a lot of conflict, um, and you know the challenge is also that you have the government of of India uh, is is the kind of it's it's kind of a one call it a, a nationalist Indian party they have a wing of that party called the RSS which they actually dress in brown in like khakis uh they model themselves after the RS uh, uh sorry after the SS of of Nazi Germany uh and uh one, at one point in my life Carmen I was uh I was forced to remain in my hotel uh because the RSS was outside my door and if I um if I left, they were going to obviously attack me, and so I was uh, forced for three days to hide away in my hotel uh, because of them. So they—they're involved in this, and uh, it, you know, India is a, is a, is an important for a country for us to to pray for. Uh, the gospel is growing in that country, and uh, you know, because of millions of of people around the world who are praying for uh, God's. Holy Spirit to fall on these places where people don't know Jesus is Lord.
0: We have so much to learn from people um, who are living in places where it is illegal to be a Christian. It is illegal to share the faith with someone else. It is illegal to convert um, where Christians are sought out and persecuted. And that, that list of places doesn't seem to be shrinking. It seems to be growing. And so thank you, Luke, for um, your own your your own personal testimony. Thank you for your continued willingness to go to hard places, um, and thank you for uh, coming and and sharing with us this morning.
1: Thank you, my pleasure. Yeah,
0: that that's Luke Moon. He's coming to us from Israel today. Um, speak a word of, of of prayerful blessing over him as he, uh, I'm sure, is shepherding others in, in an experience in Israel that for them will be once in a lifetime. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. We're connecting faith to life here at Faith Radio. We'll be right back. I like to think of Tuesday as Taste and See Tuesday or Tasty Tuesday, uh, making Christ known to others in the breaking of the bread. And so I'm going to encourage you to get your Jesus story together. If you, if you, if you've never thought about your testimony in that way, let me encourage you to, um, to frame it in in those words. Like, Hey, you know, asking somebody else, what's your Jesus story? Um, because the story that somebody has in terms of their encounter with Jesus is probably radically different than yours. Um, and you should have, you know, your, your testimony ready to go as well. Testimony Tuesday, another way to think about it. Um, but it's really your Jesus story. Like, you know, I, I remember when I first encountered Jesus as real. I don't remember the first time that somebody told me about Jesus because I was raised in a Christian family that went to church. But I can tell you the moment that Jesus became real to me. You know, I'm sitting on the back of a bus. Um, it's just a few weeks after my dad had died. I was 15 years old um, and I was a wreck. Um, I was sitting in the parking lot uh, waiting to uh, we were we'd arrived at Windy Gap, which is a young life camp. And I'm sure that Dan Fields would never even remember this story. But I was a sophomore and he was a senior. And he just asked me this question. I'm sitting there on the bus and he just asked me this question like, do you want to have peace? Um, He recognized how bereft and broken I was. And I said, yeah, I mean, yeah. Probably casually, yeah. And um, and he said, because you can. Like, that's what God wants to give you in Jesus. And if you ask him to, he will come, and he will give you peace. And I did, and he did, and my life has never been the same. Or maybe better said, my life has been different from that moment forward into eternity. Do you want peace today? It's available. His name is Jesus. And if you ask him, he will come by the power of the Holy Spirit and he will live within you and he will give you peace. What's your Jesus story? Are you prepared to share it in a one-minute testimony? I just did. What's your Jesus story? I'd love to hear it. You can share it with me on the text line, 877 933 2484. Um, Or you can um, share it with me in an email, carmen at myfaithradio.com. I'd love to hear your Jesus story on this Testimony Tuesday. Also, inviting you today to pray for other people in the same way that you would hope that they would be praying for you. People are suffering, Um, people are broken. People are living far from the peace which passes all understanding. So I want you to be praying today for the mom listening right now whose child is on the streets, and for the son or the daughter listening right now whose mom is on the streets. Pray for the man whose wife has left him in every way that matters, and pray for the wife whose husband has left her for the fantasies fulfilled by pornography. Pray for the one who's waiting alone right now to hear a report from a doctor. And pray for the one who's going to learn today the unexpected news that there is a new life growing inside her body. Pray for wisdom and love and support and resources and answered prayers. And for the church to be the church in ways that really matter. Let us be a praying people today. For the concerns of the world, yes, absolutely, but also for the concerns very close to home, the ones lying heavy on the hearts of the person listening with you right now. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks!